Welcome to Bayside's podcast. Our prayer is that this message will bring you some love, truth and life into all that you do. That's all right, because now we're here. And the pulpit is central. Everything, everything can now flow. Uh, if you're tuning in online, thank you for joining with us this morning. It's a pleasure to have you with us always. Now, just over a month ago, it was Christmas. And to help us get through the, uh, the month of December, that building anticipation towards the 25th, one might have an advent calendar. And you could open a box or a flap a day to regulate the excitement. Well... Advent calendars are increasingly fancy and potentially expensive. Chocolates are only one variety. There can be alcohol. There can be (laughs) cosmetics. A friend told me in the week, you can get an advent calendar with coffee. Just something to help you curtail and control yourself as the 25th is coming. Well, my mum gives me a chocolate one, bless uh, but she also sends me an online one, and I can do puzzles and activities, but they're only re- you know, released one day at a time, so you can't get ahead. <laughs> well, there's also the idea of reading the Gospel of Luke, and this is an ideal thing to do because Luke has 24 chapters, so you read one chapter each day, and it's a wonderful grounding as we keep the main thing, the main thing. Celebrating Christmas because we're remembering the time of Jesus' birth. Well, last December was a game changer for me. I have read Luke before, a few times, and just proof that the word is always interesting. I saw things I hadn't noticed before. And that's what we'll be talking about this morning. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 1. And I've called this morning, Keep Hope Alive. I find it coincidental that we're looking at hope. And to explain why, we need to go back to the early 2000s. There was a lot of fear in the lead up to the year 2000. It was called the Millennium Bug. Also known as Y2K. It was thought computers would crash because they wouldn't know what to do when the date changed over from 9-9 to 0-0. Worldwide ramifications were expected as computer-reliant infrastructures would fail and life as we knew it would be no more. It was that real. It sounds so dramatic and, oh, my goodness, because we all know, we, you know, We got through it. We're still here. But it was huge in the day. I had opportunity to tag team uh, the first message of 2001. And I spoke about hope. Mm -hmm. Because throughout the world, the year 2000 had been anticipated and birthed in fear and hope was needed for us to recover from that. January 26th in the year 2000 was when I became an Australian. So my anniversary of that was just a couple of days ago. 
And it occurred to me that the world has likewise come through a situation that caused many to be fear-filled and hope is still needed. Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is a confident, uh, confidently believes as it looks to the future with an optimistic expectation. Hope keeps the things that we're believing for in focus. It's good to be forward-looking. To have areas where we're waiting for the answer or to see change or realise improvement, it's just part of being alive. It's part of being alive. Sometimes in the waiting, it's tempting to give up or give in. But hope equips us to persevere. Now, our chapter from Luke is quite a large one, so I've actually invited Paula to come up and read it for us. We'll be looking at verses 5 through 38. We're going to look more closely at my December discovery and uh, us to keep hope alive. So, Luke 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the, for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right, sand, right side of the altar of incense. Verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and with grip, was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this must be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Good word. Good word, should we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is fresh. Thank you, Lord, as I said, it's interesting. So, Father, just as you've given me some points to raise this morning, Lord God, I thank you that your word is not limited to the points that I have, but that you are able to speak to us more things. So, Father, we, we incline our ear to what you would say to us personally. Lord, I declare we have minds to understand, we have hearts to receive. Father, we have courage to implement anything that you would have us change or learn or grow in after this morning. 
thank you, Father. We just honour you. We honour you. We glorify you. We thank you for your word. Amen. Well, the passage that uh, Paula just read, that has lots of similarities, lots of same-same, until there isn't. And it's where it isn't and doesn't, where the difference came in, that really bothered me, until last December. So let's just look at those. The angel Gabriel uh, appears to both uh, Zechariah and Mary, same, same. The angel says, there's a baby coming, same, same. Both Zechariah and Mary uh, say, how can I be sure of this or how will this be? Same, same. Both Zechariah and Mary reason with the angel why it can't be. Same, same. But to Zechariah, Gabriel says, well, you're not going to be able to speak anymore. And yet to Mary, he helpfully explains the process, which is not same, same. Not same, same. And I've got to tell you, it's bothered me, it's irked me for years. Every time I read Luke, oh, I don't like that. It seems inconsistent after so much same, same. You know what? It seems unfair. But last December, I noticed other subtleties in this passage which have just slightly altered my understanding and just taken away the bother. Isn't that good news? That's what we're looking at this morning with this overarching idea of keeping hope alive. But first of all, I really can't go too far into this passage without we don't just pause at verses 5 through 7 again. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Zechariah was a priest and his wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. So she too is in the lineage of priests. They're both behaviorally blameless they're like a power couple. Nowadays, I imagine they'd have a following and a conjoined name. Z and E is what I've come up with. Z and E, they're a power couple. These are good people. But they have no children. Elizabeth is unable to conceive. And in their time, in their culture... That is significantly not good. We heard Elizabeth saying in verse 25, once she was pregnant, that her disgrace had been taken away from amongst her people. Unfavorable things can happen to good people through no fault of their own and no reflection on their character. That's actually reassuring through no fault of their own and no reflection on their character. Well, moving right along, Zechariah has been chosen by Lot to go into the temple 
and burn incense. Lot is not a person. Lot is like drawing short straws. And so that's how he's been chosen. But in this time, they didn't believe this was random chance. They thought it was controlled by God. So he has been chosen. Some priests would go their whole life and never get this opportunity. It is a huge, huge honour to be chosen to go into the temple to burn incense. So Zechariah is no doubt concentrating on the task at hand, taking it all very seriously, uh, due reverence, and Gabriel appears. Unexpected. Unexpected. Gabriel is suddenly there. And we read that uh, Zechariah was startled and gripped with fear. That's understandable. The first thing Gabriel says to him is, do not be afraid, Zechariah. And I love this. I love that our feelings are noticed and addressed. How we feel is not ignored. Equally, there are times we can't progress to what comes next if we stay in that first feeling. Feelings are valid and validated, but that doesn't give them the power to rule us. What Gabriel says next is what I'd never noticed before. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. Z and E having a child is an answer to prayer. I'd never noticed that. It is an answer to prayer. Your prayer has been heard. So perhaps a prayer from long ago because Zechariah points out, I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. Well, I find that interesting. Z doesn't point the finger at Elizabeth as being the one unable to conceive. He jointly owns their inability to have children. As he sees it now, the reason they can't have children is because they're both really old. It's increased the difficulty. Well, side note for those of you who may not be aware, the Bible tells us of an earlier significant character called Abraham who with his wife, Sarah, was promised a son who they were to call Isaac. And guess what? Sarah was barren. And not until both her and Abraham were really old did they have their promised son. Zechariah would have heard these stories, maybe read them himself, about old guy Abe and his old wife having a son. Well, what's the point? Zechariah should have realised that being old was not a barrier to God answering his prayers. God isn't restricted by our timelines. He isn't restrained by our timelines. And that's also reassuring. You may be wondering, how does this help 
to keep hope alive? Well, that's a good question. Number one, delay is not denial. The answers, the change or the improvement that we're waiting for are no less likely just because time is passing by. Or just because in our opinion or in our experience, it's becoming even more naturally improbable. Perhaps if Zechariah had remembered the story of Abraham and Sarah, he would have been less sceptical. What God has done before encourages our confidence to believe he can do it again. Number two, we keep hope alive when we hear testimonies and say to ourselves, me too, me too. Personally, I love hearing the testimonies when people have uh, prayed and believed for something for years and years and years and then suddenly it comes to pass. Well, personally, I've been praying and believing for something for years and years and there was a time when I believed it was going to come to pass on the 1st of August 2022 and I put a countdown widget on my phone so that I always knew how close it was to happening. When was the 1st of August? How many more days? How many more days? Well, I can tell you something. As of today, that was 545 days ago. And it's not there to remind me I got it wrong or that God missed it, which is what I honestly thought in the beginning. Rather, it now encourages me that I'm not moved by delay. I'm still praying and believing for that to come to pass. I haven't given up and I haven't forgotten. That is still important to me and I believe spirit-led. So I'm still praying for it. I'm still believing for it no matter how many days have gone by. Now, very practically, I've heard that when possible, make your security passwords a phrase. So when possible, uh, my passwords are phrases of, my pref of the preferred future or of answered prayer. So every time I'm on some site, there it is, I need my password. Oh, this is what I'm believing for, tippity-tap-tap-tap. This is what I'm believing for. Sometimes you can't put in a phrase. You might be limited to four digits. Well, when that's the case, I put in Bible references. So even four digits. My pin at the ATM, that's what I'm remembering for. There was one time my pin didn't work and I had to go to the bookshop and actually look up the scripture again because I got the reference wrong. But, you know, most of the time that works. Even my alarm clock, you've heard about my alarm clock before. Even my alarm clock is set to a time which cryptically corresponds to a Bible reference. Every morning it goes off, that's my Bible reference, that's what I'm believing for. So for me, all these things, testimonies, my countdown widgets, passwords, my alarm clock, they keep hope alive. Number three, implement 
visual reminders. Another encouragement I saw in these verses is number four. A closed door is not necessarily closed forever. That's language we're familiar with. Jono himself said it this morning. When something isn't for us, we say the door has been closed. And we look for the open door. We look for the opportunities that we can embrace now. Well, Z&E having a child has been a closed door. Every moment of their lives, it's been blatantly obvious they have no children. Culturally not good in their time. Notably, this is so inspiring, notably, they haven't been sulking. They haven't turned their backs on God. They've continued to behave blamelessly. For Z and E, delay has not been denial. And I believe for you, if you're under the sound in this room, you're online, maybe you're listening to the audio later, I encourage you that what has been a closed door, revisit because it could be the Lord's timing you're going to find that opportunity open and ready for you now. Well, back to Z and E. As many times as Elizabeth has not become pregnant, as old as they both are, and with a husband unable to speak, she becomes pregnant. Now, I do understand whether one can speak or not has nothing to do with the physical requirements of falling pregnant. But if one is not going to believe what one is promised, it is best that one says nothing. Okay, did you follow that? There was a lot of ones, wasn't there? Generally, our words express our opinions. So if our opinions are doubting what we're praying for, believing for, hoping for, it is wisdom to say nothing. I remember hearing a preacher explain the biblical story of the walls of uh, Jericho falling down. For those who may not know, the strategy to take the fortified city of Jericho was to march around it, not speaking. Once, each day, for six days, march around the walls. And then on the seventh day, march around the walls seven times. Quietly, no, no speaking, silently. But then at an instructed time, those marching around could shout. And the walls would fall down and the people would access the city. That's an unusual strategy. Yeah, that is an unusual strategy. And it succeeds. The point I remember was that not speaking was an important inclusion in this plan. Silently meant not complaining or second-guessing the strategy with trusted friends. Number five, we keep hope alive when we don't speak against it. That Jericho story is in the book of Joshua, chapter 6. And looking at it again in the last few weeks, 
I saw something, again, I hadn't seen before. And it was that while the people were marching around silently, there were seven priests who were blowing their trumpets from the first time marching around the wall until the seventh time on the seventh day and then when the instruction was given and the people could join in shouting. Sometimes noise also helps to keep hope alive. I can remember times when panic would have overtaken my emotions and I would have been just a puddle on the floor, fetal position. And I played music really loudly to drown out my negative thoughts and recalibrate them to beneficial thinking. You know what? We keep hope alive. This is second to last point, number six. When we align our thoughts with the preferred outcome. And that doesn't just happen. It takes discernment. We actually have to recognise these are not good thoughts. It takes a decision. These are not good thoughts and I'm going to stop them. And it takes a determination. These are not good thoughts. I'm going to stop them and I'm going to replace them with something that feeds me, helps me, grows me. Align our thoughts with the preferred outcome. So to recap... The same angel, Gabriel, has visited both Zechariah and Mary with news there's a baby coming. They both question the news, but Z's unbelief has rendered him unable to speak, whereas Mary just got the helpful, you know, this is how it's going to happen. If you read on, Zechariah is unable to speak until eight days after his son's birth. And that difference had seemed to me unfair until realising this was an answer to their prayer. They had prayed for a child. And Zechariah would have known from biblical testimony that being old was not a hindrance to God because of those characters mentioned, old guy Abe and his old wife Sarah. Mary also knew the stories. She knew the account of Abraham and Sarah. But her obstacle regarding a baby is different to Z and E. There is no testimony for Mary's reasoning. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Mary knows how babies are made. It takes two to tango and she hasn't tangoed. After Gabriel is finished with the details, it makes an indisputable declaration and then we have Mary's final response again if we look at verses 37-38. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Key phrase for me there is with God. Plenty of things are impossible. But led 
and directed by God, with God makes all the difference. Well, there's another same same in this passage, and it speaks well to Zechariah. We just read Mary's agreeable to the plan, and you might be thinking, well, Zechariah wasn't because he can't speak now. Well, Zechariah was agreeable to the plan. Not initially, but how else did Elizabeth become pregnant with his baby? He was agreeable. Now, it's remarkable to me that Zechariah's soon after compliance did not lift that inability to speak. If you read on, you'll see that his not being able to speak generated a lot of positive interest in their community, which I just think is rather strange. Being unable to conceive is uh, culturally not good, but being unable to speak, whoo, that means something wonderful is going to happen. Bless you, Tiff. Zionese's son is John the Baptist. Well, how does Mary's story help us? We read it, read it in verses 34 through 35. Without a man's input, a virgin becomes pregnant with the Son of God, who is named Jesus. For sure, nothing is impossible with God. Our hope, our confident expectations that prayers will be answered, change will occur, or improvement will be realised, is securely anchored in a faithful and reliable God who loves us so much. He sent his son Jesus to be born of a virgin named Mary. Baby Jesus, who grows up and takes the penalty for our sin so that we can be reconciled to Father God. The barrier that was between us and Father God, the sin barrier, Jesus took it for us. Now, forgiveness for that sin, which does eternally separate us from Father God, is only for those who will believe Jesus' sacrificial death is for their sin. We call it being saved. It identifies us as Christians. And then we get the privilege, because Jesus didn't stay dead, we have the privilege of being filled with his spirit that we can continue to learn and grow in his ways. And you know what I think is so gracious about that? We are saved, then we continue to learn and grow in his ways, not the other way around. Mary agreed with what Gabriel offered and her life was changed as she partnered with God's plan all lives can be changed. I've agreed with the synopsis of my life. Without God, a sinner. And with God through Jesus, a life changed forever. If my hope wavers, if I grow tired of believing, I'm inspired by Zechariah and Elizabeth who continue to serve and behave well 
even when it looked like they hadn't been heard? What role models? If my hope wavers, if I grow tired of believing, I remind myself of the one who gave me the idea to believe in the first place. I acknowledge his holiness, his might and his love and my hope is re-energised. Even with all my visual reminders, what I'm believing for is not the preoccupying vista in front of me. I could liken it to an, uh, an idol. God is the one who holds my future. And within that, I see the outline of the hopes, the things that he has prompted me to believe for. That's a win-win. You always save the best till last. I suggest number seven is our best point. We keep hope alive when we know the one who holds our future. As we wrap up this morning, let's read Luke 1, 21 again. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Well, he stayed so long because Gabriel was releasing a promise. And the people were waiting because it was typical for them to be blessed when the priest had finished in the temple. It seems fitting for us to finish with a blessing as well. Could I invite you to stand, please? I have for us a very good blessing. You know how I like to amp up the, the expectation? I have for us a really good blessing, a really good blessing. But if you would like personal prayer, if you would like to become a Christian, to personally know the one who holds your future, there will be opportunity in a moment. This blessing is so good. I have to read it. I um, have ordered a large print Bible, but it's still coming. This blessing is from Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Now, how do you receive best? Do you close your eyes? Do you put your hand on your heart? Do you touch the person next to you? Posture yourself to receive this blessing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you want that? Amen. Amen. You know what? It's, it's January. We're still at the start of this new year. There's plenty of time for things to change. And there is no greater time to decide to go from sinner to saved, from hopeless to hope overflowing. If you'd like personal prayer, there's not going to be any music, there's not going to be any fanfare. If you'd like personal prayer, there'll be some of us hanging around. You're welcome to come up and talk to us. But apart from that, happy long weekend, friends. Go enjoy some coffee or whatever else you've got planned for the day and be blessed.
Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can visit us at baysidechurch.org.au or listen to any more of our podcasts on your favourite listening app.